Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 170. Preseason Scouting Public Land with Tony Reynolds, and I am your host and the guy who had quite an eventful Friday this past week. So I'll tell you that story here in a second, but right now I've got to tell you that we are 49 days, 7 hours, 44 minutes, and 27 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. So to get back to my Friday story, you guys already know that my dad and I are pretty close. He introduced me to hunting many years ago when I was younger, and through the sport of hunting, we have been able to spend quite a bit of time together over the years, and having that commonality even through the years when I probably wasn't very fun to be around in my teenage years that still brought us together. And it's still something that brings us together a lot today. And so last week, he and I went to West Alabama and looked at a little piece of property that we're considering buying to make into a hunting camp. And so we got down there, looked at the property, left there, went down to our hunting camp for a Friday afternoon hunt. And when I got to my stand, Climbed up in there. I'd been sitting in the stand for about, I'd say, 45 minutes, and I see a deer pop out into the edge of the food plot that I'm hunting. And she steps on out into the food plot, and I thought I heard a buck grunt, but I wasn't 100% sure. Well, all of a sudden, she takes off and she runs a little bit further into the field and stops. And I see another deer pop out at the end of the food plot where she came from, and it was a small six-point probably a year and a half old deer, and he is running her through the woods, grunting, and he's looking for love. But behind that six point was a spike who's also very interested in that doe as well. And so after all three of the deer came out into the food plot, of course the doe was not all that interested in eating. She was more interested in keeping a little bit of distance between her and that six point. But anytime that spike would get anywhere near, the six-point would turn and run at him a few steps, and the spike would take off and run back about 15 or 20 yards and stop and just be on edge thinking, all right, I've got to leave, but I can't leave. This is too good. 
And so the six point would turn and he'd go back towards the doe and the spike would come right up there and get maybe five or 10 yards away from the six point again. And the six point would turn around and jump at him and the spike would take off running. And so I got to watch them do that a few times. And that six point was grunting every so often. So that was a pretty cool experience. You know, in the part of Alabama that I hunt, we oftentimes don't get to hunt the rut because the rut sometimes comes in so late that our deer season has ended and we miss it. So it's exciting for me to be out in the woods and see a buck chasing a doe, even if it's not a buck that I'm interested in shooting. So that was pretty cool Friday afternoon. And after that happened, I'm still sitting in the stand and about 5.20 in the afternoon, I see something come out on the far end of the field where those three deer came out earlier. And I looked at it and I thought, what in the world is that? And then the light bulb went off in my head. It was a pig. So I let the pig come on out into the field to see if there were any other pigs with it. And there were not. So I figured it must have been a boar. And he nosed around out there in the field for a few minutes. And of course, the whole time I had the crosshairs on him watching him. And he turned and gave me the shot that I wanted. And I took it. And I put down some bacon Friday afternoon as well. So all in all, it was a great Friday. One of those days that I probably will look back on for a long time and enjoy the memories of. All right, let's talk a little bit of turkey. So today I have an interview for you guys with Tony Reynolds with Reynolds Custom Calls. And we are talking about preseason scouting on public land. Now, you may remember Tony from episode number 126, where Tony was interviewed by the Turkey Hunter podcast intern Cameron, where Cameron asked some turkey hunting pros at a local sporting goods store who was having a turkey hunting show how they would scout a piece of public land. During that very brief interview, Tony gave some great tips, and it was pretty obvious to me at that point that Tony hunted public land regularly and I needed to get him on the show for more. So let's get into the interview now. Here's Tony Reynolds talking about scouting turkeys on public land. Listen in, and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am very excited to tell you that I have on the phone with me today Tony Reynolds with Reynolds Custom Calls. And Tony owns a call-making shop in South Carolina, and I happen to have a box call or two of Tony's, and they sound pretty good. They sound like a sexy turkey to me, but the I wanted to get Tony on the show today to talk to us a little bit about scouting public land. If you think back to almost a year ago and go back and listen to the episode, and I'll tell you guys in the intro what episode number it is, but it's the episode where Cameron, the Turkey Hunter podcast intern, went to a local sporting goods store here in Birmingham and interviewed some of the pros to ask him or to ask them about scouting public land because Cameron had been running into some issues and just didn't know the best way to scout some public land here in Alabama. Well, one of the pros there at Mark's Outdoors Turkey Day event was Tony, and Tony gave some good advice in that, and so I wanted to get Tony on today just to go a little bit more in depth with him about 
how he scouts and gets ready for turkey season. So, Tony, thank you for taking time out of making turkey calls today to come on the show with us. How are you and where are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm here in, at my little shop here in Waterloo, South Carolina. I have uh, about four of my, what I call them, the 413 boys. It's my, uh, it's kind of a, a, a missions shop. It's where I bring in, you know, some kids, troubled youth, and I teach them to work and about the Lord, and, and we're throwing sawdust right now. I like it. Good deal. Well, there's a segment in the show that I like to do. It's that I call the rapid fire Q and a, and what I do in that segment is I run through and ask 30 questions just in general about turkeys and turkey hunting. And if you're game to play along, I'll put a timer to you, a stopwatch to you to see how quickly you can answer these 30 and see if you can beat the fastest time out there. Is that something you think you want to give a shot and try to beat a Yankee at? Hey, I'm I'm game for anything. Throw it at me. Uh, all right. So Ernie Calandrelli has the fastest time right now, and he's at two minutes and forty nine point three four seconds. So you got to beat a fast talking Yankee. Oh goodness, I don't know. You know, it's a slow talking drawl, Southerners. We <laughs> we might have trouble with that, <laughs> especially with a slow talking Southerner reading the questions to you. <laughs> well, let's right. give it a try. Let's give it a shot. Let me get the stopwatch up here. Okay. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? Fried. Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat, with cola, or with water? Water. Number of grand slams? Two. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? Yes. Have you ever killed a jake? Yes. A 10-minute successful hunt on a 2-year-old or a 4-hour long hunt with a clean miss on a 4-year-old? Four 4-year-old. Four Favorite camo pattern? Mossy oak. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Dinner. More or less than 5 strikers in your turkey vest? More. The state you killed your first turkey in? South Carolina. The state you killed your last turkey in? Georgia. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Sit in a blind. Rios or Osceolas? Rios. Rios or Easterns? Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Fields turkeys. Shotgun scope, rifle sight, holographic sight or beads? Holographic. Rubber boots, leather boots or snake boots? Rubber. Favorite place you've ever hunted? Texas. Most turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Thirteen. Least number of turkeys you've ever killed in a season? Zero. Out of all the states you've hunted, which state do you think has the most uncooperative turkeys? South Carolina. If you only knew how to imitate one turkey sound to call turkeys, what would it be? Cluck and purr. Best turkey hunter you know. And I we'll skip that one and go to a different one. Favorite turkey hunting book? Uh, Earl Mickles. Who taught you how to turkey hunt? Myself. Basically myself. Think, think of the toughest turkey you've ever hunted. Did you ever kill him? Got him. Sure did. Do you prefer long, sharp spurs or long, thick beards? Long spurs. The biggest mistake new turkey hunters make? Impatience. Bigger fear during turkey season, snakes or spiders? Spiders. How long does turkey season last in heaven, and what is the bag limit? 
Ah, Fake Unlimited. <laughs> All right. I've got, and now I asked you a question and then came back and interrupted you in there before you could answer it. So I made this last a little bit longer, but you still beat Ernie. Oh, You're okay. <laughs> two minutes and 48.89 seconds. So you beat him by roughly a half a set. Yeah, a half a second. Oh, man, that's good then. Okay. Yeah, yeah well, this is something that stays on my brain, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's pretty calm, you know. So, you Absolutely. know, that's, that's, I appreciate it. Well, you didn't stutter or stammer with any of those answers. It, they came out and there was no hesitation at all. So you knew what was going on. Good deal. Well, like I said, I wanted to get you on to... Tell us a little bit about some preseason scouting and how you go about it. But before I do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Reynolds Custom Calls, and how you got into turkey hunting? Okay. Well, I, I started, I was an artist to start with. I went to Ringling School of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida, and I was an, an artist, but I've hunted my whole life. I've deer hunted, and I've seen turkeys when I've deer hunted and all, but I thought they were intriguing. And I had run into an old call maker back when I was a child named Neil Cost. And it just amazed me if you take two pieces of wood and rub them together and make a sound of a turkey. Well, as I got a little older and graduated from art school and got, got married, and I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to make a living right here around where I lived at and, and incorporate art, my art, into my hunting. And the way I come about it was I started a guy named Tim Langston, he made turkey calls, and he asked me to come help him one time, and I was kind of out of in between jobs and has been a starving artist, and I just started making them, and it just fell into it. I made my first slate call in 1990, and it started from there, and I started just getting a little piece of wood. My first my first turkey call building shop was a 10 by 10 made without, built with our tax money. Well, as it went on, the, I got in with the NWTF, and I started winning awards for my artwork on the calls. I was the very first call company to be called a custom call company. And what that incorporated to me was it's like ordering a custom gun. You build a turkey call to the parameters of what someone would want you to build. Instead of all the, the only things on the market other than a Cody call was plastic production calls. And I, mm. I just seen the need for a good quality sounding call. And what I heard in a Cody call was a turkey. And in the box calls, a guy named Billy White made a good one. So my calls, I kind of started standing them to that, not taking nothing away from Neil Call's calls. They're great calls. But I just wanted to, you know, being, being married and a freelance artist, I just wanted to tell my wife, I said, now you want to go to school to be a stockbroker, and I want to make turkey calls. If you'll give me five years, I'll be making more money than you are as a stockbroker. Well, I've never done that, but I did accomplish winning the Grand National Call Builders competitions, the Grand National Champion Box Caller, World Champion. My calls have won every contest that about there, there is to win, from Chris Parrish to everyone using them. And but the most important thing was that I got, you know, the building calls, and and the competition callers used them. But I got to meet so many people, and using a talent that the Lord gave me, I just used my talents and my art, and over the years it just developed into a passion. And so, over in the last probably five years, I've committed most of my business my my business to the Lord. And so about two years ago, I changed the name of my manufacturing to 413 Industries, which is a 
a like I said, it's kind of an outreach program for for troubled youth or young men, anyone between jobs that want to come learn. We practice studying about the Lord and what building turkey calls. And I've had about fifteen graduates now, as I call them. They've went on to bigger, bigger and better jobs, but they've really they've took something from here. I hope to make it better in life. But yeah. I am now. We're in the process of building calls for Eddie Salters. And I've designed calls for Woodhaven, Tom Teasers. We've designed and built calls for all, most of the major companies now. So we've got a pretty good portfolio going. <laughs> yeah, definitely sounds like it. Tell us real quick, how can we get in touch with you if we want to buy a call or two from you? Okay, well, my website, I'm, I'm, we're finishing it up. This matter of fact, tonight, the guys called me to open it up. It's at rentalscustomcalls.com, or uh, you can call, reach me at on my G, uh, rentalscustomcalls at gmail.com, and I'm on Facebook, Reynolds Custom Calls. And we're, I'll be at Mark's Outdoors in March at their Turkey Day, and I'll be in Woods and Waters on their Turkey Day. And I'll be traveling through Alabama a lot, so that's kind of my home. I, that's my, I, I call it my home. I, I do, I'm, I have a lot of good followers over there, and I try to try to keep up with them. And you mentioned in the rapid fire Q and A that you taught yourself how to turkey hunt. So how did you manage well, all that? It, Just... it, it was I got it. I had from my friend Tim Lason. He had shown me. I went turkey hunting with him, and he had shown me. But I've been a, in the woods my whole life, so. And in turkey hunting, calling is only 10% of turkey hunting. It is, it is knowing your, the lay of the land, how to use the woods, woodsmanship. Woodsmanship is the most important part of turkey hunting, is knowing how to, to, to use the, the lay of the land. Uh, like if you're sneaking up on a bird or you're trying to get closer to how to drop off in a gully or, or the way read the way the land rolls. And especially if you hunt national forest land where you don't know where you really were yet. It's how to read, you know, the streams and all without getting lost. And usually turkeys, they work the ridges. So I learned to use my woodsmanship for the turkeys and turkey hunting. But it was the calling. I had to just get out there and do it. Just just go out there and get in the woods and spend a lot of time just getting to know turkeys. Yeah, that's pretty much what I did as well. I had to learn on my own and, you know, it took me a lot longer than having a mentor to teach me the ropes, but I think that a lot of the lessons I learned stuck with me a little bit better. Yes, it was. Yes, as you, what you know is trial and error. And as I learned it, that's what, you know, is, but I tell you, Primos was, when I started, Primos had their first video out. And I must have watched it 50 times because that was amazing mm-hmm. to me, you know, because they, they were the pros to me, you know, Ben Rogers, Ben Lee, and all those guys. They were like, you know, they, and the Turkey Federation being right here where I'm from was really getting big at that time. And I had a lot of influence. They had a lot of influence on me. I got to know a bunch of the people. I'm going to Greenwood chapter right here where Neil Cost chapter, they called it, and a lot of those guys. But the the hands-on is far better. Even if you're scouting, I mean, a lot of people now, they scout with their phones. They they GPS, you know, Deer Hunter or those, you know, GPS apps you can use that show you the land you can look it over but it it doesn't take the place of getting out there and walking down through those hollows and those ridges and finding the scratchings and figuring where the turkeys are roosted 
And and that's the fun part. That's the video game part of it, really, is what I call it, because kids nowadays, they everything's a video game to them, and I, that was my video game, I guess. But right. that's the challenge. That's the challenge of, of you know, wit and matching wits with that turkey is, you know, you in his yard, you in his home. So when you're there, you've got to try to put all the pieces together. So that morning when you walk in there, you say, okay, well, there's a big bluff right there. And, and you hoot that evening and he gobbles and you know he's there, but where's he going when he flies down? And you have to, you have to be in there to know if there's a gully right there or there's, there's not a gully right there. Uh, you know, because I've had a lot of times I used to call and they'd be gobbling, they'd come straight to me and hang up and, and they'd just leave. And I'd walk over there, there'd be a little two foot gully right there and he wasn't going to cross it. You know, right. and that's just, that's just turkey hunting. Yeah, definitely. When do you typically start your preseason scouting and how do you go about starting it? Well, I hunt national forest land, public land, most of the time. I really do. I, I get invites to go to places, and I used to pay to go on hunts. But I've found that over years that these that I enjoy going back. I, I went back and, you know, went to the old school again. I'll go out, and I, I'll start listening. When people say the turkey's gobbling, I'll get the boys working in the shop, and I'll get them set up, and then I'll take a golf cart or whatever and go ride on these game management roads in the mornings and just listen to where I find groups of birds gobbling. And I'll start – our season opens March 15th. I'll start about about the last week of February. I'll start mm-hmm. running down there before daylight and just riding the roads listening. And before long, I'll have several groups of birds. So if I go in on game – go in there, there's some cars sitting there. i got another group I can go in on. And that's always – a good thing to do is have more than one place, you know, where you're right. listening for birds. Definitely. When you're scouting, a lot I use my golf cart. I'm, but if you're a healthy young man, it's nothing wrong with it. That or walking. I mean, or riding a bike. I mean, it's these game management. Our national forest is a beautiful property and got plenty of birds on it. But some of them they won't let you ride. You can't ride through. You know, you can't get off the the the, the gravel roads. But you can. Right. It's always good. I I try to cover as much land as these old legs will let me cover now. (laughs) Yeah. You said you typically will start in South Carolina towards uh, the the last week or the end of February, and season starts in the middle of March. Are you seeing typically a whole lot of movement from the areas where you get some birds located at the end of February and up to the point of when season starts? Well, what you run into is that they're going to change their pattern about time that the they, they start strutting and they start really getting getting on toward the mating season. They're in a feeding pattern. They're looking for food anywhere they can find it in February. Mm-hmm. Because And what you run into a lot, you got to look at about public land, is that what's around that public land. If there's a, if there's a bunch of hunt clubs, it's they're probably feeding those birds up until the legal time that they have to take the food out. So they're going to pull your birds. They're going to keep the birds on the edge, but you can still get to them on, on the national forest land. But if they're not any, it's like if you hunt a, a large game management area of thousands of acres and they're not getting over there, you're going to find that they, they're, they're going to be flocked up pretty close. But now they'll move, they'll move on you wherever the food's at. And so you got to be ready for them and try to know, you know, a little bit around the, the, the perimeters of, your, of the land that you're going to hunt, what's going on, because that's a, that's a key thing, because a lot of times your, 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 your mature timber isn't going to be on the national forest land. 
and they're getting the the clubs and all is gonna have the smaller pines with the food plots and the feeders going, but they're gonna come roost on that public land. Right. Okay. Now, typically, in an ideal world, how many different groups of turkeys or or gobblers are you trying to locate before season starts? What what number is it in your head where you go, okay? I've got enough of them marked. I'm ready to. I'm ready for season to start. And I know you would take more than that, or be happy to have more than that. But what's kind of that minimum number of what you're looking for? That's kind of like that too much fun question. <laughs> you can't have too much. You can't have too many turkeys located. But as I'm just going to be honest with you, as if I had, if I've got five birds that I can hunt opening day, I know I'm going to get on. And when I go in there, I know at least two of them, somebody else is going to know about two, that, or at least five. I'm going to have five areas. But I've hunted, where I hunted on National Forest Land, I've been hunting since I was 11 years old, deer hunting and everything. So mm-hmm. I, I can almost go and I know a certain hollow, a certain way that I've had luck every opening day. And I don't even have to go listen in some of those places. And I know there are going to be birds close to there, within hearing distance up there. So the more, the longer you, you get to know the land you're hunting, the easier it is on you to hunt them because you're going to know where every creek is, every gully, every logging road, every thicket, and you learn to use that to your advantage every every year that you've got under your belt in that area. You're going, it's going to help you. So right. that's so that's I'd say five birds. I'm I'm happy with it. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's important to stress is what you just said. You know, these hunters who are getting out there, maybe they're hunting a new piece of public land or new to them, I should say, or even a piece of private land that's new to them is get out there and do the scouting and make note of it because unless there's some major change, timber being cut, tornado coming through, wiping out timber, causing a bunch of damage, neighbors doing something like cutting timber or things like that, if none of that's going on, then typically where we find birds today, we can probably find them there next year as well. And that's always a good starting point. So if we get a few birds marked this year, nothing changes. There's a good chance there's going to be birds there next year. So I think that's you know something that's that people true. need to keep in mind and not stress out a, a whole lot about you know if they can't get out three or four or five weeks before season starts and and try to get some birds located if they can get out there two or three weeks before season starts and just make some yeah. notes i yes, think sir. they'll be in a lot better shape for next year too yeah that's uh that's that's true now, there's a lot of times i'm in the shop or i'm on the road because i've I started hitting the shows and, and visiting my stores here this as a matter of fact leaving in the morning but I, it'll run slow, right up till the opening day of turkey season uh you know i, I i'm gone but i i I check, and if them birds right now are, are just if I'm seeing the birds in the area, I know about you know from that area where they're gonna be. But now, like you said, it, they may move a little bit. They're gonna move with the food source, and that's mm-hmm. why it's important just to know that. Okay, well, you know, there's been times I've seen. I knew that the public land, the the public land was on one side, and birds was gobbling all over it. But I could hear the feeders going off across the river. And they would go straight down and go straight over there. So I just knew just, I was just going to go get on the river between them and that food. And, and it always works. It's easier to call them the way they're going than to call them the way they're not going. Put it that way. 
Very true. But that's an old, that's an old, old Neil Cost told me that. So, yeah. Yeah. But now when you do get a group located, are you staying with that group throughout the morning and as much as you can with work and family and all that permitting just to kind of figure out where they're going or what they're doing? Or are you going from group to group to group checking them at different periods of the day to kind of see where they are? Okay, so that's all that I've got for you guys for the free portion of today's episode of the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you want to hear the rest of this week's show, then you're going to need to become a premium subscriber. And if you'll listen in towards the end of the show, I'll tell you how to do that. Hopefully you enjoyed the interview with Tony as much as I did. Did you get the same impression from listening to Tony as I did that he seems to have this very unassuming confidence or coolness about him? And he seems to have this sense of always knowing what to do at the right time when he's turkey hunting as well. You know, like if you were hunting with him and he said to you, get up off the ground and run away in the opposite direction of this gobbling turkey, you'd probably do it because Tony said to do it. I mean, (laughs) maybe, maybe I'm crazy and you guys didn't get that feeling from the interview, but regardless I think that there are a few tidbits to pick up on from the interview, and hopefully that will make us better turkey hunters. And hopefully this interview gets some of you guys, especially those of us in the South, with turkey seasons opening in 45 to 60 days, excited about getting out into the woods and doing some scouting. I know here in Alabama we still have three Saturdays of deer hunting left, so With the rut going on right now where I hunt, that is what I'll be doing for the next three Saturdays. But after that, I know that there's going to be a few days when I'll be walking around in the woods with a shotgun slung over my shoulder looking for bushy tails. And when I look for bushy tails that time of year, I tend to spend a lot more time with my eyes pointed downward than upward. As much fun as squirrel hunting is for me, I'm just that crazy about hunting turkeys that I can't stop thinking about looking for turkey sign and looking for turkeys. So I'll be using squirrel hunting as an excuse to get out into the woods, roam around a little bit, learn the land a little bit better so that I can build my memory bank and know what obstacles may lie between me and the gobbling turkey this spring. And I am very much looking forward to that. So that's all that I've got for you guys this week. But you know, I need your help with two things. The first thing is that I need you to fill out the survey, the end of 2017 listener survey. And the way that you'll do that is to text the word HELP2018, H-E-L-P-2018. Text that to the number 44 I will send you instructions on what to do from there to complete the survey. The survey literally will take you two minutes to complete, and it helps me to get to know you guys a little bit better, and it helps me to be able to know what you're looking for in this show, what it is that I can do to help you become a better turkey hunter. The second favor that I need from you this week is 
I need your show topic ideas. If you've got something that you want me to cover on the show or a guest that you want me to interview on the show, then send me those suggestions and names of people that you'd like for me to interview. Send those to Andy at IamTurkeyHunting.com. That's Andy at IamTurkeyHunting.com. And you can make that email as short and sweet as you want or as long and drawn out as you want. I don't care. Send those topic ideas to me and I'll get them added onto the list and see what I can do to help you out with that. All right, I also told you a few minutes ago that I would let you know how to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. Becoming a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast is very easy. All you have to do is text the word Turkey Hunter with no spaces. Text that to the number 44222. After you text me that, I will reply back with a text that says reply with your email address only. When you reply with your email address, I will then email you a link that you can click on to become a subscriber to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. Becoming a subscriber is very inexpensive. It is $12 for a year. That gets you access to all of the premium content for the past episodes and all the premium content for the next 52 weeks as well. So don't wait any longer. Go ahead, become a premium subscriber. We're going to have a lot of great guests coming up and be covering a lot of great topics as well, and you are not going to want to miss any of it. So I highly recommend that you go ahead and become a premium subscriber so that you can access all of those premium episodes on the Podbean app and not miss out on some great info. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.